0: This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au.
1: Welcome to How Gen Y Buy. Each week, we speak to everyday Australians to discover the unique ways in which they are entering the property market. Learn how Gen Y are beating the odds and getting their foot on the property ladder with your host, Nathan Smith, the Managing Director and Mortgage Broker at Birdie Wealth. Welcome back to another week of How Gen Y Buy. I'm your host, Nathan Smith. Today in the studio, we're going to do something slightly different. I've actually brought in an industry expert to talk about what they're seeing in the market and how they're seeing Gen Y buying property. Today, I have Luke Williams from iBid Property Buyers Agents. Welcome, Luke. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks for having
0: me. It's uh, really great to be a part of this podcast and shed a bit of light and some information for uh, Gen Y buyers. Being a Gen Y person myself, it's uh, great to be a part of.
1: Now, we've, uh, we've been speaking back and forth over the last few weeks. We're actually putting a, a seminar together at the moment, um, which probably has already been and gone by the time this goes to air. Uh, but we're, we're talking about Gen Y and how they're getting into the market. And what are you seeing at the moment with Gen Y buyers?
0: Well, I think it's really important, firstly, with Gen Y buyers and, and a lot of them who, who I've come across, and they do a lot of their own research, which might not be you know the most informative stuff or the most uh, relevant. And they're doing all this reading and they think, oh, this is the best way to go about something where it might not be the case. So, I think it's just a simple thing of, like you were saying, we're putting together this uh, seminar and that's going to shed some really great info on the best ways to go about them getting into the current market and moving forward as well. So, it's not so much about them going out and doing the due diligence and and reading all the articles on Domain or any other website, um, but it's just about, you know, speaking to people who are in the in the field day in day out and they see the trends and you know everything and, and put it all together and basically give it to them as a package so they can take away from that you know everything from all different aspects whether it be you know finance or bidding at auction or conveyancing and, and how best to approach that so i think yeah the it's, seminar tough, it's itself, tough though right isn't it Yeah, it is, i mean yeah.
1: everybody everybody's <laughs> giving you different advice and quite often it's conflicting advice so mm. um so Just explain your role as a buyer's agent. For those who don't know what it is, how does it differ to a real estate agent? Yep, sure. So uh, something that I came across probably at the start of the year,
0: I was in sales previously uh, with a local office and uh, my now business partner, he was coming through a lot of open homes of ours looking for prospective buyers who he'd had on his books. Um, So essentially what it is is we sit down with buyers and we put together a detailed brief of exactly what they're looking for for a property Um, So, whether it be a block of land, a commercial site, an investment property, you know, two, three better, just everything that they want, you know, we put that together. We start to do the research for them, look for, you know, about 20 or 30 properties, uh, condense it down to a brief of two or three. We take them through those ones personally, and, and from there, we work out what the best property for them is. Then moving forward, we go through, you know, the, the, uh, the process of getting the contracts read, you know, if it's a strata plan, um, you know, pest and building inspection, and then we move forward with the negotiations. If it's an auction, you know, we tee up for the auction or try and, um, put a, put an offer in prior and then help them, you know, if they're successful purchasing all the way up until settlement. So it's really just holding their hand through the whole process. Which have really helped some people because they find it to be quite daunting, especially for Gen Y buyers getting into the market. I guess the, the stigma around buyers agencies that it once was sort of a luxury thing to have. Yeah. Where they go, Oh, well, it's only for people in the higher end of the market. Yeah. I don't find that's the case. I think, you know, everyone needs help at all levels.
1: Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I guess I would say you probably need more help when you're buying your first property, right? If i, agree. I bought six or seven properties, then um, then you're not going to need that help. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, you're, you're more of a seasoned buyer, so I think you know it's, it's even more imperative. And I think why it's so good for me is. Being a younger buyer's agent, I can sort of appeal to this Gen Y category and and I've got that experience firsthand and I know what they're going through. Um, So, so that really helps when I'm chatting with them and, and, you know, it just makes the whole thing very transparent because at the end of the day, I'm just one of them really. You know, I find that to be really helpful. So, how did you fall into property and real estate? It was interesting. Um, I spent a lot of time over in the United States just after I'd left school, and that was through uh, through some sport I was doing over there. I was competing in, in road cycling, and I, I got yeah. myself injured quite badly. Right. Um had a few operations on my shoulder and I decided to come home and, and focus on a career. I was, I was at that that stage where it was either, you know, you keep going with that 100% or you focus on something that's going to, you know, take you forward the yeah. rest of your life. And property was something I'd always had an interest in from a young age. I was always flicking through the domain at home, you know, when it came on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I think it's Wednesdays now. I was always flicking through that with mum and dad and, and, you know, they had always had an interest in property too. And I would every time they would look at places I would go along with them and it was just something that I could really see myself doing. And then when I came home, I, I really put my neck out to get a job in sales and, and that came off eventually and I really liked the role. Um, it was just a matter of when I met Charlie, who I'm now working with, um, I would referred to him a few people who I'd known personally and he helped them in a very big way and, um, and he turned around and said, well, how would you like to be a part of, of what I'm doing? You know, we're looking to branch out and expand. Um, and I thought that was much more suited to my personality, the buying side. Yeah. Um, so it's just something that I jumped into it was would have been February or March this year. Yep. So it's been four or five months now. And, um, yeah, I haven't looked back since it's been, it's been a tough because. Prior to that and going into the buying side, I thought it was imperative for my job to own a property myself. Yeah. So, I thought, you know, before I get started in this, I've got to buy something of my own. Okay. That so, that's is-
1: what you're in the process of doing now, is that right? Yeah,
0: I am. So, I've actually exchanged on a place, it uh, was two months ago now, it's an off-the-plan purchase uh, down near Shell Harbour. Well done. So, it's a uh, it's a complex called Talambar. Right. So, they're all a bunch of brand new houses, which um, it's basically catered around the new infrastructure that's happening in Shell Harbour. They're putting yeah. in a... Um, a marina down there, and it's all set to, you know, pick up some nice capital growth over the next few years. Um, so, honestly, without the help of my parents, I wouldn't have. Been in that position to buy. Yeah, um, I got a deposit bond for the uh, deposit amount of ten percent. Yes, and then use their equity, and they went guarantor for the mortgage. Perfect. Um, I had a lot going on at the time with setting up the structure of the business, and there was a lot of expenses involved there. Yeah, but yeah. I, I did want to secure a property before I got into the buying side because I just think that that was imperative. I, yes. I didn't want to be involved in this. Without having some sort of ownership of property
1: myself, yeah. and also just seeing the process, seeing the ups and downs mm. that you go through as a buyer. Yeah, um, I know. Even I'd been a mortgage break for probably six or seven years, and then I bought another property. And uh, I was back on the other side of the table. It was quite strange to suddenly mm. um, feel those pressures that a buyer's field, even though I sit in this industry, just uh, suddenly going, well, what do I do next? When do I speak to the solicitor? When do yeah. I have to hand over money? So, um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely an experience to be back on that side of the table and have a good understanding of what people are going through. Now, you're getting 1st home buyers coming to you and they've, they've received advice from all different places. Mm. Is there any kind of good or bad advice that you've seen uh, them – them receive and not not to pick things apart in in certain situations but a
0: lot of what i've seen is first home buyers obviously you're seeing a lot of young couples and they get advice from from both parents yeah Um, and that you know that might not always be the best advice you know they go along to the opens and they have that presence there where you know they might be bidding on their behalf or uh, i think that they rely on the help of the parents but what they're telling them might not always be uh, the best information. Yeah. Um, and I think often when they're going to these open homes and, and chatting with the sales agents, these first home buyers are always wary of agents. You know, they think that there's something that um, they're, they're not telling them or, and I think this is often coming from the parents as well, sort of passing this information on.
1: Of course. Right. And look, the parents only have their kids' best interest at heart. So mm-hmm. that's what they're, they're trying to protect their kids and, and give them some advice. But mm-hmm um it, it may have been 20 or 30 years since the parents have last bought a property and, and mm. things have changed in the way you buy property has changed slightly
0: i agree yeah so it, like i said earlier and i touched on it's it's just i think it's a combination of that and a combination of reading maybe the wrong things and what what i found as well is a lot of people and i guess what the whole purpose of this podcast is is you know breaking the noise that is the negative impact of Gen Y buyers and how they can't get into property. And I think the people who speak out on social media, you know, these Facebook pages and the ones who complain or not necessarily complain, but they've got a negative gripe towards buying. I think they're making the most noise because, you know, the negative speaks so much more than the positive because the
1: people who are out there grinding and trying to get a property, they're not out there vocalizing it. Absolutely. I mean, if you get get any economist that comes over from the US and says... Um, Australian house prices are overflated by 50%. You're in a bubble and about to burst. They make the front page of the news and they stick around for a week. But um, I guess what you have to understand is if you just say the property market's doing okay, it's a pretty boring story, right? Nobody's mm. going to buy and read that story. Mm. It's either bubble or boom. So uh, that's that's the stuff that tends to get picked up and um, and shouted
0: out the loudest. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, just touching back on, on that, that negative, you know, sort of – The negative people speaking out, I think it's just, you know, like I said, their, their voice is always the loudest and people see that and, and it's just, you know, I see all the time, there's still a lot of first home buyers out there giving it a good crack and in the auction rooms and at the open homes, but they're probably not the ones speaking out saying like, oh, this is so hard. It's the people who just sit back and, and they think it's all too hard, but they're not willing to to give it a try. They haven't got any yeah, advice. Exactly. Or, yeah. Or you know, they haven't, they haven't yeah. spoken to someone like yourself or or me and, and sort of picked our brain and, and you know, see what they can actually do to move forward. They they look at the big picture and they sort of think, Well, this is too hard to make a start whereas they should really look at the end goal and work backwards and think, Well, this is what I should be doing in order to get there but they're reading all the wrong things, and you know, it's just negative thoughts. And as soon as you think that way, it's not going to happen for you.
1: Yeah. So. so when you're you're dealing with first home buyers, what what type of properties are they looking for, or what are they looking for specifically in a property?
0: Yeah. Um. It, I'll start with owner occupiers. Yeah. And a, and a lot in the Sutherland Shire, which is what I deal with. It's it's my key area. A lot of people in their mid 20s and and you know couples obviously they're looking for units at around the 6 to 650 mark especially yes. at the current market with you know the stamp duty exemptions yeah. and something that I've seen a lot of recently um it was only last week down in auction rooms at Dalton House um, there was one property in particular. It was a unit in Sutherland, and the agent had been quoting between six and six fifty. Yeah, um, that was obviously very tactical with with the yes. change of legislation re- uh, recently. So that actually went for six eighty or six ninety. Right, but there was about four um, registered bidders, and they were all first home buyer couples. Yes, and yep. pretty much as soon as it got past six fifty, they said, down. "I'm out." Yeah. like. And then got back to maybe six sixty five. Yes, and you could see the emotion. There was maybe two couples there who were showing quite a bit of emotional attachment because they then went back into the bidding, and one of them eventually ended up winning it at six eighty. Right. Um. So they would still be paying stamp duty, obviously a lesser amount. Yeah. But there's a big, um, I guess there's a big bracket of people in that that price point. Uh, but it's obviously going to blow that, you know, if they're quoting six to 650, the yeah. consensus is it's going to go for closer to 700. Absolutely. So that, that's one thing with the owner occupiers. They're looking to buy in the area at the lowest amount possible, which mm. obviously is common sense. Um, or you get you know first home buyers looking to spend a little more, maybe around one to one point two, and they're looking around Lofters Loftus, Inganin, just for a bit of a bit of a smaller home. So they're going need straight to, to the home, yeah, skipping the unit altogether. Yeah, that's it, and they're sort of pushing themselves a bit further. As far as investors go, first home buyer investors, similar to what I did, exactly that. You know, they're looking at sort of outside of Sydney, yeah, uh, what they can get for between four and six hundred thousand, yeah, and that's tough to buy in because you. It's a bit of the unknown. Mm. Um, you can buy in places like Shell Harbour or Central Coast or even up in Queensland, but yeah. you never truly know what's going to happen with that. You don't, yeah. So, yep. it's it's just basically, well, I'm no expert as far as, this, you know, the whole of East Coast goes. Yeah. I like to focus on St. George and Sutherland Shire. I can only give my best advice as, as to where and then it's sort of up to them from there. There's, there's other companies who specialise in investment along the East Coast and they have people poised in, in each state and they sort of pick apart each suburb and, and, you know, tell them what's good and bad.
1: Yeah, so even as a buyer's agent, you're not, uh, you're not necessarily looking Australia-wide. Some have a speciality of a certain area. Um, some have a different type of clientele so even using a buyer's agent you have to make sure they they align with what you're looking for in a property and what you're after that's exactly right so
0: if i get somebody coming
1: to me wanting to invest
0: regionally or, or out of state i'll recommend them to another company who does that yeah and vice versa if they get people coming to them um there's a, one company in particular that they, they are based locally but do the you know out of state investment so they um that's exactly yeah they do out-of-state investments. so if i get somebody wanting to invest in queensland i'll pass them straight on to them but because they're they're poised locally they might get people coming to them wanting to buy in Cronulla or or Glamere, and they'll pass that to me because they know that that's what i do day to day and i wouldn't feel comfortable doing a purchase for somebody in queensland without knowing the market so yeah i absolutely. like to keep it quite close to home where um it's it's in the southern shire in st george where i can use all my contacts with the agents and whoever it might be to to get the best outcome for the client. And and I just find that works.
1: Yeah. Well, again, I work in the industry and and I've bought property interstate and I've used buyer's agents when I've done it. There's there's no way I would buy a property by myself. Um, I see it almost as um, a form of insurance. They they have a better understanding of the area and the suburbs and uh, what's out there. Um, How but, long did it take you? Were you looking
0: before engaging a buyer's agent? Were you looking for a certain amount of time, and then you realised, or that was something that was in
1: your mind? Yeah, look, game? I um, yeah, I, I enjoy property, obviously, as as most people do within our mm. industry. So I'd spent uh, probably. 18 months researching Melbourne prior to buying down there. So I'd had a good look in the area, had a really good understanding of the few suburbs that I wanted to buy in. Mm. And I connected with a buyer's agent similar to you who specialised just in those suburbs. So yeah. um, she was able to look around the area, locate the property and, and put a bid in straight away. Sure. So, uh, yeah, it happened to be that the very first property she found, she said, this is the one. Yep. And, uh, She said, I know it's the first property. I I know, you know, sometimes the expectation is that you're going to present me with, you know, five or ten properties prior Mm. to picking one. This is the one. It's got everything you want. It ticks the boxes. And uh, having already done my research, I was like, yep, that's mm-hmm. perfect. Let's go straight ahead. Yeah. So my process was pretty quick in the end. That's awesome, yeah. And
0: sometimes it's not the case of, you know, looking at 20 or 30. You might, you know, sort of luck out and, and within the first five you look at, it, you might find the one that you're after or it might yeah. take some people longer. But that's that's the whole reason we're here. You know, we either stick it out until we find the right place or, you know, if we find the one in the first week or two, then, you know, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. That's
1: right. So... Yeah there's two ways to buy the property. You can buy a property at auction or you can buy a property private treaty. So, that's when it's up for sale. Um, What's the difference between the two and and how do you you work differently when you're dealing with those different types of sales? Yep. That's a good question. Um, So,
0: auction probably is the most common method at the moment I'm finding. The reason being is it, it gives the owners of the property the chance to really get that dream result. So, if they... And, and what I saw on the sales side as well, early in the campaign, I'd say the first two weeks of the property being on the market is when you generally see the strongest interest. You know, yeah. the, people have seen it on realestate.com. Yep. It's and, at the top of the Facebook page still. And, yeah, yep. people go to the opens and they're enthusiastic about it. And um, and then by week three and four, it, the numbers really dwindle down and you may be left with three or four really interested parties. And then maybe in the last week of auction, you might find two of those drop off. So yeah. then you're going to auction with really only two interested parties mm. um, so basically yeah basically for my job if, if it's an auction campaign I'll try and look at it if I've engaged the client when the property's just gone on the market and we know that this is a great property for them I'll stick it out for the first few weeks I'll keep in touch with the agent I'll see how it's going I'll try and try and figure out what the intention for the owners is to sell because once you find their motivation to sell yeah the negotiation Sort of it's a great question, through. isn't it? Yeah, yeah they've so,
1: bought a property elsewhere, or is it? Yeah, um, is it a, a separation of family, or are they upgrading, downsizing? Exactly. It, it yeah. certainly affects the way that you can. Yeah.
0: So once from. once you find their motivation to sell, it makes it a lot easier to figure out their situation. So if they're secured something elsewhere they might be a bit hesitant toward going to auction. And that's a great chance to negotiate something prior. Yeah, They'd go in a week a week before with a really strong offer.
1: So so someone like that may quite often have a figure in their mind that they need for this property in order to move on to the next property. Correct. And uh, if they can get that figure, that moves them on. Correct. Anything else is a bonus. But, um, but uh, certainly being a seller is just as nerve-wracking, if not more nerve-wracking, than being a buyer. I agree, um, yeah. So... So you're always doubting yourself. You're always doubting the property. You never know who's Mm. going to come and not going to come. So you're right sometimes if you can pluck that magic figure out and, uh, present it forward and, and, uh, put yep. it up to them, then you may just get that property prior to exactly. auction.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's it. And that, that's one way to tackle the auction campaign. Yeah. And another way, I guess, would be if if the agent's adamant on going to auction, yeah. you know that there's no real sense of urgency to sell prior. So, they might yep. not have secured something else. They're, they're hanging out for that that big result. So, for us, what we can really do in that situation is gear ourselves up best for auction, go on the day, bid strong. We're not there to buy the property for one two hundred thousand dollars over reserve. Yeah. We're there to get it for the best price. And if we see that the bidding's going really strong, we'll say to our clients, okay, guys, you know, it's in your best interest to probably walk away, you know, to avoid overspending. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, that's our job to give the best advice possible. Yeah. So, so it's not getting the property for any price. It's getting the property for the right price. Or, exactly. For value. Right? Yeah. And going to auction makes it a little bit trickier because there is that
1: that, uh, that chance that it is going to get blown out of the water. Yep. Um,
0: so that's yeah.
1: Again, so your role really at the auction is just to strip the emotion out from the buyer, exactly, and, and come in with more of that level head and say, "Look, that's what the property is valued at." Mm. Um, rather than somebody who's bidding for their own home, perhaps may yep. um, start to think about the uh, how they love the kitchen and where the kids are going to play in the park and the school down the road. That's exactly right, and, uh, and the hand keeps going up and the price keeps going. That's exactly
0: up. right. Yep. So we'll we'll have written down on our contract what their Their maximum price is, if it exceeds that on auction day, we'll we'll have a chat with them while bidding and say, look, this is where we're at. This is what I think market value is. I think if you go any further, it's probably going to be paying overs. Yep. Happy to let you put one more bid in. But after that, I would strongly suggest walking away. Yep. And that way that gives them the chance to, you know, give it one last crack, but you're not going to spend 50 grand over.
1: Yeah. And I guess with you sitting in the market, all day every day you know what is fair value for that property you're not having you're not taking a punt at what you think the property is worth You've got a good understanding from comparable sales in the area. Yeah. What else is selling around, and, and you can give them that good advice. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and if we're going to an auction, we need to know
0: what everything you know around has sold for. Like you said, those comparable sales, and, and that'll help put together what our opinion of the market value is, and, and you know drawing the line in the sand of whether it's a good buy or, or if it's not, and they should keep looking. So that's for the auction side. Um, I guess private treaty can be a little bit more transparent in the way that you know you quoted a price guide. And there's really no end to the campaign until they reach a figure that, you know, is obviously attractive to the owner. So, for you know, if you get a unit in Cronulla, for example, and they're quoting 750 to 800, if you go in in the first week and, and offer 775, there might be a good chance they take it or yeah. they might try and get a bit more out of you. But again, it's tricky because you know, they might have two or three other people and they're trying to get offers out of them and it almost turns into an auction anyway. Yes. You know, so it's it's just a bit more informal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it, again, that's just reading the situation as well and – You know, finding out why it's private treaty. Um, Yeah. I think in this market, like I said, a lot of people are going auction unless sold prior. Yes. So they give it that chance to go to auction. Yes. If the agent realizes it's maybe not getting the interest they thought it would initially, they have that opportunity to accept an offer before auction. Yeah. But if it goes gangbusters, then you know it's obviously going to get a great result for the owner. Yeah. And that's really good for the agent and for the owner, obviously. So.
1: Yeah. Is there any other tips you've got for first home buyers? when they're putting offers forward and bidding on property? Mm.
0: Yeah. My best advice I would give, if if the agent is definitely not set on going to auction, oh, sorry, definitely set on going to auction, uh, you want to make sure you go to auction day and be the first person to put the bid in on the day. Okay. And essentially what that'll do is that'll show that you're very, very keen to bid and almost show a sense of dominance there, Um, come out nice and strong. You don't want to start slow, you know, you don't want to start small, You sort of want to read the auctioneer and say if it's a place where they're quoting between nine hundred and a mil, maybe start the bidding at nine twenty. So straight away you're above that mark. If you come in at eight fifty, that you know people aren't going to take that seriously. Yes. So if you come in with an offer like nine twenty, and then somebody else chimes in with nine thirty, you hit back straight away at nine forty. Yes. So that way you're you know you just keep firing, and then that gives off the intention. That gives off the impression that you know there's basically no end to your bidding. Yes. The other parties just think, well, these people aren't going to stop.
1: Yes. So, strong, quick bidding is what you would generally do. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: uh, and I see much of the opposite with first home buyers. There's a lot of hesitation there. Um, There's hesitation to put the arm up initially because they think, well, no one else is putting our hand up. Why should we? yeah. Yeah. I think it's much the opposite. I think you should be dominant and be confident. Yeah. And that's where a lot of them get it wrong. And for accepting an offer prior or trying to put an offer in prior, you just want to make sure you have all your due diligence in place. Like, you know, you're speaking to your conveyancer and you get your 66W drawn up, you know, your deposit and your contract and yes. all of that, which can be quite – Quite and your tricky finance as well. lined up
1: too. Exactly. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, yeah. And a lot of those things will be touched more on in the seminar. Um, and they're, they're sort of the nitty-gritty things. But, yeah, things like that, if you're looking to negotiate prior, you want to make sure your finance is obviously approved. You have all the necessary documentation so that, you know, if it is accepted, it can be exchanged on the day. Yeah. Um, so... So that's really important as well.
1: One little tip I uh, often tell first home buyers, particularly if you can find out the reason why somebody's selling the property, mm-hmm. is try and take the focus off the price, right? So if there is a way you can assist them with the settlement dates or renting the property back to them, mm-hmm. um, th- there may be a way where you can come up with a similar bid to another party, but... Uh, Have that winning final offer because you've been able to assist them by either doing the shorter settlement so that they can um, get the funds for the property early, or you do a longer settlement and you can leave them in the property and allow them to stay on while they look for the next place. That's
0: exactly right. So if you can come in at a similar price but give them something that makes it feel like a win, that's obviously going to be very well geared to you know accepting your offer. Yeah. So you know, for if we have a client we're working with together, if we find out the owner of the property they want has purchased elsewhere you know, our clients are in real no rush or, you know, no uh no time to settle. We can say, well we're happy to meet your your date of settlement yes. at the figure of X amount. Yes. And that will probably, you know, be better off cash wise for our client. Yep. And, you know, it's really no issue for settlement date for them either. So it's made the owner feel like they've won in the sense they're settling on the same day they've bought their other place yeah. and we've one because we've got it for a great price. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. It's a great tip.
1: Um, Luke, thanks very much for coming in today. Um, there's been some great tips and information. I'm sure some people have got some things out of it today. I guess the thing that I'm taking away from it is just all about having that clear head and perspective when you're buying a property and trying to get drawn into the emotion of that purchase. Mm. Uh, there's always another property that comes along, right? If you miss one, there's always going to be exactly that next right. one that yep. comes along. Um, I've got one final question for you before we go. What's that, best piece of advice that you've got that will help First Home Bias? Yeah. Well, firstly,
0: thanks very much for having me on the show, Nathan. It's been, uh, been great to be a part of. Um, my best piece of advice would probably be don't be afraid to speak to people like myself and Nathan who can help you. At the end of the day, you're only going to walk away with a bit of free information and probably a coffee out of it. And, you know, that might help you secure something in the long run. If you're really struggling, we can help you further. Um, there's a lot of people out there who are willing to, to sit down like brokers, buyers, agents, even sales agents are happy to help in most cases. So just don't, don't be afraid to, to get out and have a chat and get as much information out of them as you can as well as doing your own individual research and, and you know from there you can form your opinion on how best to move forward with buying. But there's a lot of people out there to help you so just my best advice would be don't forget that and get as many opinions as you can and, and yeah just don't hesitate in, in you know reaching out to people.
1: So excellent well, thanks very much. That's Luke Williams from iBid Property Agents. We'll be back next week with another Fortnightly show and speaking again to first home buyers and how they got into the market podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision making, nor to be taken as a substitute for specific advice. Please contact Birdie Wealth to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. For more information, go to www.birdiewealth.com.au.